Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott, and thanks to you for stopping by. We'll be taking a good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, if you have questions, concerns, or comments about your plant material, your lawn, your ground, whatever it happens to be, your trees, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. This is Saturday morning, and we've been getting together since 1994. Whoa, is that true? I don't know. Maybe it's not true. It seems like it is. But anyway, so we can talk about your backyard, your front yard, your uh, how about those uh, summer bulbs? How are they looking? As I was walking around the neighborhood, the elephant ears and cannas and things like that that I have in pots have not shown any sign of the cold weather that we have had recently. But I walked past a house and their elephant ears, uh, they were chilled as far as the looks go. So I, I'm assuming they're going to either uh, mulch them or just sort of like say goodbye. And if you can come back next year, that would be great. But who knows? And also, uh, should you be pruning this time of year? Should you be putting grass seed down this time of year? Should you be improving your soil? Well, using the information I'll give you and uh, hopefully will help you solidify your options, of course, with that final judgment of the action you're going to take is going to be on your shoulders. And by the way, this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home car or wherever you happen to be listening. Another very important player is James. He's producing, so when you call, he will answer the phone. And when he's not answering the phone, he's also running the big board with all kinds of stuff because I can't touch any buttons. Anyway, I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and do landscape consultations if you'd like for me to do that. And you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and my phone number is there. But also, I have a new email address, a new email. My wife, Tracy, has set this up because my AT&T thing was going nuts. So my new email address is mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. That's mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. So if you're interested in contacting me, that's the best way to get in touch with me. So, uh, yes, the good gunny stroll. Let's get moving. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. I'll tell you, you know, I always take my good gunny stroll before the show, but it is so dark 
when is that daylight savings time going to come and make it so it's a little bit lighter early in the morning? Well, that's not going to be for another couple of weeks. I think it's first week in November. But anyway, it was dark out, and I thought, well, how am I going to do this? And I looked up at the sky, and there was just a sliver of the moon was out there. So I thought, well, I'll just kind of drive and not walk for my good gardening stroll. So as I was driving down to the station here at Olive and uh, whatever this is, Tucker, and uh, the ornamental grasses are really looking good. The maple trees are nothing short of spectacular. And uh, as <laughs> while I was, even though it was still so dark, I was surprised at what was out. Squirrels, they were out. I guess they, you know, they get hungry early or, you know, they can sense that it's going to be light coming soon. And then consequently, they are out there <laughs> doing crazy stuff. I have some uh, ornamental corn that I have ears of the corn, and uh, squirrels are starting to come into my lens, my backyard, and jumping up onto the pot where I have the ornamental corn ears laying, and they're eating that even. So I also put out bird seed, and this time I'm putting out, or the type of seed I'm putting out right now is uh, finch seed. So it's mainly thistle and a few other things. But they're even eating that, so they must be really desperate or... They just don't have anything else to do besides finding things like that. And uh, probably what's eating the most of the bird seed that I put out, what I do is I don't use bird feeders. I use the sidewalk, a strip of sidewalk where I just kind of throw the bird seed down. And mainly a huge number of sparrows, sometimes 30 or 40 sparrows are there eating the thistle and the other finch food. So even though they're not really finches, they're still having fun with it. And cardinals, those are the only two birds that I'm seeing right now. So the finches, the goldfinches, and the purple finches, uh, earlier in the year I saw them, but I don't see them this time of year. But anyway, who knows why, and it doesn't really matter all that much. So the Good Gardening Stroll, in essence, is just kind of an observation. Uh, some of the things as I wander through the neighborhood uh, every day and uh, – the roses still look very, very good. So people are taking good care of the roses, not just the knockouts, but other ones as well. And probably the most spectacular perennial right now is the asters, and they look very good. There's one house that has a bunch of asters cascading almost, you know, they have more or less a raised bed going along the sidewalk. And uh, it's just really, it's just nice to see, let's put it that way. As sort of the gardening season is coming or winding down, I go past people who I know have had tomatoes and had good, fairly good luck with their tomatoes. The tomatoes are kind of heading downhill, and a lot of the other stuff is heading downhill as well. So, uh, oh, boy, this time of year, it's, it's sort of cool and neat to see all the colors you know, on the trees and and shrubs and things like that. I saw a burning bush the other day that was so bright red it caught me by surprise because most of the time where they've been planted, it's not the ideal circumstance for them to get some good color. And uh, consequently, this one was like like catalog almost. It was so bright red. So they, this is a good time of year for uh, just kind of going to sleep mentally. But uh, 
there's still plenty of stuff to be doing or you can do in the outdoors. We've got one call. Let's, so if you do have any questions, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. I've had some trees removed, and they just cut the stumps off even with the ground. And I'm going to go ahead and drill a bunch of holes in the stumps and put some stump killer in there to kill the stumps plus the roots that are exposed. What would you recommend? Just go to a store and buy some stump killer, or is there something else? Uh, You could certainly do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, You didn't have the stumps ground out, but uh, just realize it's going to take several years before the stump and the uh, root system is going to be melted away or killed, let's put it that way. And so consequently, don't plan on putting anything, uh, you know, shrub-wise or anything probably within 10. I don't know how big these trees were, but uh, within at least 10 or 15 feet of where the trunk is. And then consequently, because there's active root systems the feeder roots are going to stay active for a couple more years beyond the time when the trees have been cut down. Yeah. These trees are approximately 20 to 22 inches in diameter. Oh, just, so they're pretty good size. Yeah, they're big locust trees, and wow. the leaves and nothing but give me a problem in the gutters, and the roots are exposing that I can't cut close to the trees. So right. I figured on you know, drilling a bunch of holes and buying stump killer and then waiting a few years and then have the stumps ground out. Probably by that time, the stumps will be melted, but uh, you could certainly do it that way. It's your choice. Okay. Hey, thank you, sir, for your information. Sure, my pleasure. Mike Miller, KM West Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. All the news and all that matters to you. The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Yes, folks, it is very dry. I don't know if you've been looking at the Internet or stuff, but, I mean, the Mississippi River, some parts are just really low. We're, I mean, we're low here, but further south, it is even worse. Some places where I forget what it was called, something, I think Rock Tower or something, but this was a spot where it was in the middle, I don't know, in the middle of the Mississippi River, now people can walk out to it. They don't have to you know, worry about water or anything else. So, I mean, it is getting very, very dry. So just consider that, especially for your plant material, whether it's lawn, trees, shrubs, perennials, or anything else, that dry soil, if we get some severe winter temperatures, can be really damaging. And the reason for that is because the dry soil has air pockets in between all the different parts of the soil. And those air pockets, the cold air is going to sink into there. And then that's where the damage to the feeder roots are. Feeder roots are what actually uptakes the nutrients and moisture for the plant material to do well. So just keep that in mind. Let's head over to Martha's. Hi, Martha. How are you? Good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a question about my house plant, uh, Diefenbachia. It's about six tall. Uh-huh. How do I replant it? Can I cut the stalk and uh, replant that, or do I just have to replant the whole plant? Well, and there's a new shoot that's coming up on the side of it in this spot. 
I know the pot is too small, and I have a larger pot, but I'm not exactly sure how to replant it. Uh, Diffenbachia is, you know, really, I mean, they're really kind of interesting plants and everything else. But uh, you can just, you know, pull it up out of the existing pot and put it in the new pot, mixing, you know, with potting mix, not potting soil. And if you want to do it, pieces of the cane actually can be laid horizontal on the top of your potting, you know, on the top of the potting mix, and they will root that way. But it is going to be a long, involved process. So it's not going to be something that you're going to see, you know, new growth relatively soon, meaning like in a year or two. I mean, you'll see maybe within a year. So I would say just leave it as is and just put it in a bigger pot and just make sure that, uh, you know, you don't damage any, you know, the the plant's root system or the new plant, the, the sucker that's coming off the side mm-hmm. of it, because they are colonizers. Okay. So don't cut it off. No, don't. Because, I mean, like I said, you can take six inches of the stem, the main trunk or whatever you want to call it, and Mm -hmm. let those dry where you've made the cut. And then you can just lay it on top of the potting mix where it's about half buried. Lay it horizontal. Don't stick it in like a stick. Okay. And uh, then let it go from there. But it is going to be... Like I said, a very long, involved process before you're going to start to see any kind of new growth at all. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate your advice. My pleasure. And now let's head over to Bob's. Hi, Bob. Hi, Mike. How are you? Uh, I'm thinking ahead a little here. I planted some grass seed this fall, and it's a fill-in stuff. And it didn't do really well, so I know I'm going to need more in the spring. But springtime is when you put weed and feed down, and I think that's a problem. So do I plant the seed, wait to see it, then do weed and feed, or do weed and feed and wait a long time and then plant the seed? <laughs> yeah, that that's a really tough one. To be honest with you, generally the weed and feed is an herbicide that kills only broadleaf weeds. It does not kill grass. But unfortunately, newly germinated plants, like the lawn that you're talking about, the lawn seed, can be damaged by any kind of herbicide, even though if it's not specifically for, let's say, a narrow-bladed plant. So I would say what's most important to you is getting your lawn established and just realize that spring is not the ideal time to be putting seed down because the ground is cold, and then the seed, as it germinates, and you know it'll start going and everything else as this, you know the ground starts warming, then it's faced with our summertime, which is probably the most stressful time, especially if you're putting down a cool season lawn seed, which I'm assuming you are. You're not because Zoya's seed is just kind of a waste of time, right? Uh, so if I weed and feed, uh, where is February somewhere, wherever the whatever plant is starting to bloom, you put the weed and feed down, right? And then I waited till it's really warm till May, and then plant the grass seed. That'd be the most hopeful way of doing it, right? And then really, the most realistic way to do it beyond the hopeful is then go ahead and plan on doing some more overseeding in uh, mid to late August through September and through 
you know, early, let's say, or halfway through October. Okay. Now the only problem is that I remember this time frame when it comes time to do it. <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll remember it. <laughs> Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As I was talking about uh, this, the uh, summer bulbs, the dahlias, the caladiums, the cannas, those kind of characters, guess what? This is a time of year where you can take a chance with my um, elephant ears. I've got some planted, and I'm going to try, as I've probably mentioned if you've been listening to this show, that uh, I'm going to try some of them in the ground, leaving them with just some mulch, and then see if they can survive. In the cannas, there are several different varieties, not varieties, but several different locations where they really do pretty well staying outside over the winter. The majority of my bulbs, I what I do is I t- let them, you know, some are in pots, some are in the ground. I dig them up, I take them into the garage, and I let them dry. And uh, as far as whatever they're growing around or if they're in the ground, I shake the soil off of it and just take them in. Then I let them dry. And then when they get dry, then finally it probably takes three or four weeks of just laying, you know, out in the open in the garage. Then I put them in paper bags and then take them down into the basement. But uh, I've had really great success. I have more elephant ears than I know what to do with. And uh, sometimes (laughs) it's like... Hi, would you like some elephant ears? You know, wouldn't people. But uh, the other day, a lady was going by, and she didn't know what the elephant ears were. And uh, she said, boy, those are really nice. And I said, yeah, they are. And you talk about low care. That's the nice thing about the summer bulbs is uh, some of them are very, very low care. The cladiums, they're uh, more, you know, shade-oriented. I've not really, I've had some success with the caladiums, but I've never really been extremely happy with them, but just in general. I think they look good, you know, but I just can't, you know, get them into a situation because of shaded areas. I guess I could grow them in pots. I've tried to grow them in pots when I lived in Soulard, and they did fairly well, but, uh, you know, I, I haven't grown them since we moved to South City in pots, but... Uh, the cannas and elephant ears and uh, other, you know, a few other things that I just sprinkle in every year, a little bit different of the summer bulbs, that uh, they look pretty darn good. Well, let's head over to Carl's yard. Hi, Carl. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Very good. Love your show. Thank you very much for everything you do. My pleasure. I have a quick question. I have a relatively quick question. I am just wondering if it is a good or a bad idea to trim uh, boxwood this time of year, because I have some growth I'd like to kind of get rid of, but some of the articles on the Internet say don't do it now because frost can kill it. Not sure what to do. Basically, I mean, I kind of agree with that. There's two different philosophies saying go ahead and prune if it's early enough. But uh, what happens is when you prune any kind of broadleaf evergreen and you're not worried about cutting off flower buds or anything else with the boxwood, but consequently that the tip that you've cut off has been exposed to all the different kinds of weather and cold and this and that and everything else. And then when that's removed, even though the leaves are further down on the stem, which are now exposed, 
were at one time on the tips or the end of those particular stems or twigs, then, you know, if we get a cold snap really quick after you do the pruning, you could have some damage on, you know, the newly exposed foliage. So that's where the disadvantage is. I would say wait until, if you can, uh, just make sure they're well watered. As I said before, it's really kind of a drought circumstance. But uh, as we come out of wintertime, sometime between, let's say, Valentine's Day and Ides of March, do the pruning at that time. Then you're going to get a new surge of growth after that, and it's going to kind of make, you know, kind of get the boxwood, let's say, back in, I don't want to say shape, but a lot of times if you prune them too severely, then you're going to have some twigs exposed. And sometimes if you cut too close, you're going to have twigs exposed that don't have that many leaves on them. And then uh, severe weather can knock the foliage off and make them really look ugly. Well, that great that makes great sense, and I, I thank you very much. I, I just wanted a, a local opinion because the weather here is so different from every place else. You aren't kidding. <laughs> yeah, man. When I think about just you know a week or so ago, you know, the, the amount of uh, coat and everything else I was having to wear. And now it's going to be in the almost mid-80s today. That's unbelievable. Yes, sir. It's very strange. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, I appreciate your help very much. That was my question. Sure. Well, thanks, Carl. And if you, if you do have a question, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We got phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And 
sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Get ready for Monday Night Football. The Bears, the Patriots. Hear the game on 98.7 FM, 1120 AM, and streaming on kingofox.com. Bears, Patriots, kick off at 7. Football! On America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Even if you're really satisfied with certain areas in your landscape, you know, be it bed space, be it your lawn or anything else, if you haven't had a soil test done for a couple years, it's advisable to get a soil test just to find out what there is in your soil. So you could watch out or it's going to give you some cautionary you know, ideas or thoughts. Let's say don't put this kind of fertilizer down because it's going to cause more problems as time goes on. So, food, you know, it's just like food with people or pets or animals or horses or cows or anything else. To, you know, if the food is not right, it's not going to work, you know, and that's what, how it is with the soils. And consequently, soil is what makes the plant material grow. And when you don't have good soil or their soil is kind of on the cusp of not going from good to, you know, problematic, just realize a soil test will indicate that, whether it's pH, whether it's nutrient levels or anything else. Let's head over to Mary's yard and see what's going on with Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Um, my plumeria. Uh, it grew so tall I had to prune some of the branches to get it in the garage. Uh, what's the best way to root these cuttings? Uh, basically, let them dry, the tip, uh-huh. and then get some rooting hormone and dip them into the rooting hormone and then plant them in relatively small pots with a potting mix for starting plant material. Okay. All right. And thank you. And then the next question, the Vinca has taken over my flower garden. Um, is now a good time to kill some of it off, and what should I use? Now, is this the Vinca that's, uh, you were talking about the ground cover? Yes. Vinca Minor? Correct. And uh, it's going to be a little difficult to kill because... You see, you always, you know, if you notice, it's evergreen, as you know. Uh, the, the foliage or the surface of the, each leaf is very glossy. So that's not to say the herbicide won't be absorbed by it, but it's going to be a long, involved process. If I know it will be, be a lot of work, but uh, if you can dig out a lot of it or dig out some of it or rake it out or something without damaging other plant material that's in there, then... Watch and then start putting the herbicide down. But just to put the herbicide down, and particularly this time of year, herbicides are becoming less and less effective because of the weather. Okay. All right. Okay. I guess springtime will be the working time. Exactly. When it comes, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, a circumstance like what you have. And, you know, it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, 
things like Vinca Minor and the Ivies and some of the other ones can be aggressive as time goes on and kind of run over some of the other stuff. Yes, yes, it has. Well, listen, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's head over to Kurtz. Hi, Kurt. Good morning, Mike. Hi. I want to go back a couple callers um, that was asking about grass seed this time of year or in the springtime. If if we're scheduled to get a core aeration and overseed, say within the next week, um, and we do have an irrigation system in the yard, what's what's our likelihood of success? Uh, I mean, the seed will germinate. There's no getting around it, and it's particularly if you got the irrigation system. But what happens is it's going to be immature. The root system is not going to be able to penetrate deeply into the ground. And so just even the first couple frosts that we have is going to have an impact on, the, let's say, the top quarter to a half inch of the soil. And so that's where probably as far as the grass seed root has gone, and that could be detrimental. So given that, should we just core aerate at this point in time in the year and then wait, or what would you think? Well, it's you know it depends upon it. It may we may not have it. It may work out perfectly, but it's just the roll of the dice on how it's going to go. So it's going to be you know cost wise and everything else. If you're willing to take the chance, then I would say go for it. But uh, just realize that uh, you know the amount of seed put down, if it's going to be able to survive, let's say through the fall slash winter time, it's going to be uh, you know very iffy. Okay. Then I guess I guess my leaning is we're going to go ahead and try it, given the ground temperatures are still pretty warm and right. we do got the irrigation. So okay, all right. Thank you so much. Sure. We enjoy your show. And I'm assuming this is a cool season lawn type seed, so either yes. fescue or bluegrass. Yeah, it it is. It's a combination of both. Yes. Oh wow, that's <laughs> you're daring. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, well thank good you luck. So much. Yeah, my pleasure. And just uh, this is a good time of year, not only for grass seed, but to, to head to your favorite garden center. If you're looking for some trees or shrubs, just make sure that, you know, if you're doing the installation yourself or even, you know, maybe, you know, kind of if you've got a contract, landscape contract that is going to do the installing of your trees or shrubs or, you know, things like that, that they dig the hole not too deep because, if they're planted too deep, what happens is it can lead to root suffocation, and that is, you know, basically bad news. So even if it's dry, the roots, if the you know, if it's planted too deep, so I always advise top ten to twenty percent of the root ball above the surrounding ground. That prevents this suffocation if and when I'm assuming we're going to get some, you know, get some rain because if if you plant it even at level with the existing soil, the surrounding soil, it's going to sink because there's when you dig a hole, you're creating air pockets, and then finally those air pockets down in the soil will, you know, the soil will migrate down into those air pockets, and then that's going to cause the root ball to sink. Then you're going to you know end up with a depression around the base of the plant, and that's where the real trouble comes in. So. 
just you know keep that in mind. And this is a good time of year too, to you know not only from an aesthetic standpoint for you, but uh, to put mulch down around you know your trees and shrubs. And it's much better if you're able to to you know to mulch like let's say a larger area rather than just putting a ring of mulch around a plant. If you if you have them in relatively close proximity, just to create a bed space in between all those plant material and then mulch them all together because that's going to just encourage the root systems to continue to migrate. And that's what uh, the feeder roots are up near the surface of the soil. The roots that go deeper on any kind of plants are just ones that stabilize them and wind. And speaking of wind, we have had some strong winds this fall. I know we always have had fall winds because as kids you know, in Ellisville, the backyard, we had a good, nice flat backyard. It was a great one for flying kites. But, you know, I just don't remember, you know, gusts being quite as strong as they have been this year. Now, maybe it's just because I'm getting old and I'm not being able to remember. But uh, those kind of things are really important. And I have seen, you know, some people that were out irrigating their uh, their landscapes, but a the tendency is once, you know, let's say fall comes, that uh, we kind of turn our backs on that. But this gentleman talking about getting the seed down and having an irrigation system, even if you don't, if you're not putting seed down, putting an irrigation system on or sprinklers or whatever is really advisable. And especially with anything that has been planted within the last two years, and that's, you know, just, you know, kind of soak it pretty well. Because, I mean, dehydration of the root system is the worst possible thing besides a suffocation by planting them not correctly. So lots of stuff to go, you know, to work on in the outdoors. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, I have zoysia lawn, and I've you know made one cut, and I'm going to make another cut. Even though it is browning and it's not growing actively, I want to cut it a little bit lower. So my final cut is going to get it down to like three inches, and that's the blades. And some people think uh, you should cut it shorter than that, but I disagree with that. It's I want to have some blades just to protect the crowns. If you cut it too close, sometimes even if you know with the zoysia where we're going into wintertime and consequently the activity, you know, activity of some of the problematic weeds and things like that are going to be minimized. It's not going to eliminate you know, the problematic weeds because the weeds, the cool season weeds, there could be some seeds even in there that, uh, you know, with now exposing them a little bit more by cutting really short. I've seen some of the lawns already been cut down to like, an inch, and that's really kind of scary. It's ugly looking, and besides that, it's not really good for your lawn. So just keep that in mind. Let's head over to Debbie's yard now. Hi, Debbie. Hey, Mike, how are you? Very good. Good, good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I had a question. We had two dogwoods planted uh, same time, and they both were kind of um, not doing the best. Anyway, uh, nursed them, nursed them, and they both started coming around. One was always healthier than the other. Um, that one is fine now, but the other one, um, it was at my parents' house, and the other one, I, um, 
the guy that comes out and sprays like dormant oil and whatnot, he like cut off. I don't know. I don't know what he did exactly. I think he cut off part of the tree and whatnot. Well, I felt I really turned the corner with it. It just wasn't as strong as the other. Well, this summer, it just, I think it's, I'm trying to figure out if it's savable or not. Um, I'd say probably three quarters of the leaves are brown and have been for some time. There is some green left on maybe a third of the tree, but some of those leaves. So I just, I don't know. I don't know if I should try and move it, if that would be too much, or um, they're going to be selling their place. So I wanted to try and save it, and I guess I'm just trying to figure out if it's dead. <laughs> it's not completely dead or if it's going to make it or not. And I, It's probably hard for you to tell over the phone, but um, is there anything that I could do to try and keep it going through the winter, or should I try and dig it up and bring it to my place and replant it? to where I can watch it all the time. I don't know. Yeah, to to transplant this time of year, especially on something that's not really healthy, the chances of success are going to be minimal at best. So just keep that in mind. I mean, you can try that, but this this particular tree doesn't sound like it's uh, just, its life is not all that good anyway, even if you left it in the same place. And if they're selling okay. their home, if, if if it's in a situation or a view that uh, somebody that potentially would buy the house, I would say you should just take it out and get rid of it. If you want to try to save it and relocate it to your yard, you can do that. You may be successful, but uh, I would, you know, it's going to be scary. Okay. But, I mean, would now be because they probably go on the market you know, in the height of winter, most likely, or very, very early spring. So right. ground would probably be frozen, so it would not be the best time to try if I wanted to. Yeah, if you, you want to, I would say go ahead and try, but just realize that you're really going to tear up a lot of the feeder roots, and that's going to mm-hmm. even make it uh, weaker. And then consequently, you know, when we – I mean, we are going to have winter, I'm assuming, you know, global right. warming <laughs> or anything else. And then consequently, right. it's just going to be – it's going to be a lot of work to move it, and then your chances of success. You may be successful, but. Okay. Okay. But most likely not. Right. Um, and then do you, um, thank you very much. And um, real quick about Johnson grass, what's the best to me? It's kind of like honeysuckle, um, you know, invasive, hard to get rid of. What's the best solution? Yeah. To me, going after with an herbicide. If it's okay. growing, if it's growing in, uh, is it growing in with, uh, you know, within other grasses, or is it where is it growing? It's grown well in our pastures and whatnot, and oh. it's just it's just an endless cycle because, um, you know, the seed we don't spread it, but you know, the highway department, whatever, and it's right. just it's it's just an endless endless battle, and it just is taking over everything. Right. Um, you know, so I just didn't know if you had much experience with that or not. No, I mean, uh, you could call the University of Missouri Extension Service, the Agricultural Department, and uh, okay. the extent, that'll be the Extension Service and see what they recommend. But uh, okay. it's going to be a difficult circumstance. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very much for your time and your show. Appreciate sure. it. My pleasure. And Lori, could you do it kind of quickly? I, Lori, are you there? Guess not. So uh, 
we do have. I guess she'll she'll hang on till the you know till the next uh, we come out of the next hour. But just as I said before, uh, the cool season annual weeds, besides the cool season you know perennial type weeds, the cool season annual weeds that are really robust right now. The hen bit is, I mean, unbelievable. The spurge, I'm really surprised to see how much you, you know how how good the spurge is looking because we have had some cool weather, but it is still actively growing. Just realize that, that other things, chickweed, the annual bluegrass, I'm seeing quite a bit of the annual bluegrass, even in my yard as I, you know, as I continue to go after it. Uh, the seeds coming in, the birds eat the, you know, eat some of the seed. The seed comes in on the bottom of, let's say my shoes as I walk, you know, through somebody else's yard or through just the parks or things like that, and some of them get stuck in the treads of my shoes, and then I walk back into my yard. So I you can re-acclimate or re-seed your yard with some of the problem weeds. So Persian speedwell, that's one weed that I had a lot of when I first moved to our house in South City, but I've pretty much gotten rid of all that. So it's got a nice small blue flower. It grows very flat, but it's still... You know, trouble because it creeps around and you know really dis, let's say disables other things from being you know able to get established as far as what I want to have grow as far as uh, my zoysia and just realize nutgrass is out there and there's some other things that are just real trouble so you just keep an eye out and if you get on top of stuff as soon as you see it it's going to be much better so. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thanks, Scott, and I greatly appreciate your weather and, of course, the news. And welcome. It's the tip of the trial hour, and I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly. But right now, you can give a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120, with your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments about your landscape. And, oh, by the way, thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plants. We can discuss the ups and downs and all arounds of annuals. Uh, The annuals are still looking pretty good. And your bulbs, your summer bulbs, and it is about time when you should start. If you have some new spring bulbs for next year, your crocus, your daffodils, your tulips, to do uh, installation of those. Your ground covers, like the lady called about her vinca miner that was just getting a little bit too aggressive as a ground cover, and she wanted to get it away from wherever in her landscape. Your house plants, I finally got mine inside, so they're underneath the grow lights in the basement. Your lawn, whether it's a cool season lawn or a warm season lawn, your perennials, should you be cutting them back yet? Uh, your roses, should you be cutting those roses back? Your shrubs, your trees, your vines, or your water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path to take, but are strictly offered for you to consider. Across the big board is James. He's producing. He answers the phone and then pushes all the buttons and makes it so when I say something, you can actually hear it. 
Uh, during the week, I do landscape consultations. So if you'd like for me to come to your home, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. And there's my phone number there. I haven't gotten around to changing that. But I do have a new email address. My my wife, Tracy, called and said, make sure that you tell people that it's going to be lowercase. So mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. That is my new email address, mmillerdesigns22 at gmail.com. So if you'd like to ask me a question or schedule an appointment for me to come to your home, that is the best way, or the phone. I mean, I can still answer the phone pretty well. Uh, so anyway, crazy stuff going on. And the tip of the trial goes out to, to be honest with you, I am just amazed at some of the Halloween decorations that, uh, you know, are in, you know, people are putting out. It is, I think it's more than normal, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's just I can't remember one year to the next how much is out there. But also... What I'm really enjoying, too, is all the different kinds of gourds and, you know, pumpkins and things, people just buying them and setting them on their front porch. And a lot of the pumpkins aren't being carved. They're just being left. And uh, I think it's really nice. So any of the decorations that people are putting outside that uh, when somebody's walking by or driving by can enjoy, that's who gets the tip of the trowel. It's a... You know, it's not really all that easy to do, but consequently, uh, more and more people are getting into it. So a lot. what that means, too, is just your welcome home. I know the stuff that I have out in our yard or our, at the front door or whatever it happens to be is part of the welcome home. And the tip of the trowel is a, this recognition, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. So let's take a couple calls before we go to a break. Let's go to Barbara's. Hi, Barbara. Uh, yes, I'm calling from St. Charles, Missouri, and I'm wondering if it's too early to put out uh, bags of mulch to refresh the landscape. Is it is the ground too warm yet? Uh, it's probably okay. Uh, generally, with your perennials, you want to wait until it gets a little bit cooler, but around trees and shrubs and things like that, you should be fine. Okay, well, when would you normally do? I, I put out eight bags of mulch, so my whole landscape is mulch and rock. And so um, when would I normally put it out, like the first week in November or something? Yeah, just after, you know, a, a pretty, you know, after a good frost. I don't know if you've had any frost in St. Charles yet or not. Yeah, just a little bit, but not probably not a, a good enough one. Right. <laughs> so, so once so we have a good frost, a then you should be able to, you know, put your mulch out. And like I said, around the woody plant material, you can do it you know, earlier than with the perennials. What The, re- the reason right. why you want to wait on the perennials is because uh, if it is warm, the ground is warm, and the mulch is, you know, has some warmth to it as well, then that might prevent the perennials from going dormant as, you know, as fast as they need to in relationship to what the weather is going to be. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep. My pleasure. And now let's see, where should we head? Let's go to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. My girlfriend uh, asked me about some plants that she was pulling out of the ground, her cannas and her elephant ears. And she took one elephant ear out of the ground that the instead of it being a bulb, it's elongated and it's 22 inches long. Whoa. I can't believe this. And it has roots starting about 10 inches from the bottom, 
And she asked me, could she cut that in half and have like two bulbs? And I told her, she thinks because I'm old, I know everything. Uh, <laughs> I told her, I think it'll probably rot. What do you think? Well, it couldn't rot, I mean, necessarily. But I don't, you know, I mean, it is a, you know, potentially a possibility. But uh, I would say 22 inches long, I can't, I've never, you know, I've been growing elephant ears for decades. And I've never yeah. seen one elongate to that point. I, I have never seen one elongate, period. And when she she took a picture of it and sent it to me on the phone, I can send it to your email address if you'd like. I could not believe it. I thought, what what would cause it to even do that? Well, it's got to be, you know, a really good soil for growing elephant ears. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I'm assuming it, it was in the ground, so it has to be really well-drained and uh you know, nice and porous. So, the, I mean, but I mean, they do grow, they do elongate, but uh, not to that extent in one year. Well, I, I said the same thing. I'd never seen anything like it. Do, do you think, though, if she cuts it and then lets it heal over, that she could have two viable bulbs? Yes, she could. Terrific. That's what I told her to do, but I thought, I'm going to call Mike Miller and see what he says. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as long as she's willing to let that heal over, and that's and this is with anybody that's digging them up to you know to let's say protect them in the, from the winter weather by bringing them inside, uh, you have to let them heal in the outside, even if you don't cut them or anything else. They need to dry, and that's really essential to do. If you just pull them out of pots or pull them out of the ground and put them in bags and bring them in. That's not necessarily the best thing you can do for your bulbs. Well, I thank you for your advice. Thank you for our show. Sure. Thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network. So whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. 
Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Work or play? KMOX is right there with you. We go where you go. Speaking of going, let's go over to Art Yard. Hi, Art. Yeah, Mike, I appreciate you letting me get this off of my uh, mind here. Maybe it's my uh, 1930s heritage, but uh, my arthritis in my shoulder is telling us we're going to be singing in the rain Tuesday. But back in the 1930s, when the foreign pound was getting low, my uncle's put a shovel in our hand and said, get down to Callaway Creek there and dig some water holes. we got to make sure the stock has got water. And then he says, you got to keep nature in mind. you always got to be prepared. Well, maybe i got a water phobia, and then maybe I should have taken a degree in watershed and range management the way things are going. They anticipated back some years ago, they wanted to take the Missouri River and channel it down into the doggone southwest, I guess because of the urban population explosion. But the thing of it is, is that I'm always wondering with respect to what your thoughts are when you're digging and planning things. What parameters would you use to say to yourself, well, I'm not going to put you in that hole. That is not the type of a environment that I want to see you in. And does the divining rods, do those things have any kind of a real uh, worth to themselves? People say, you know, willow branches and birches and so forth, that they will give you the indications. But when we're using 90 to 120 gallons a person per per day in the country, I think there's got to be some better recognition that, that that comes at an expense and you just can't leave the faucets running all the time. What are your thoughts with respect to the parameters on the soil type and conditions when you're putting a plant into the soil. Thank you, Art, very much. Basically, the best thing that I can recommend in relationship to that is when you're planting plants, make sure that you're locating plants that are in relatively close proximity that need the same moisture level. And if you've got, if you like plants, let's say that like a willow or a bald cypress or a black gum, or whatever it happens to be, a tree, you know, or, uh, you know, shrubs that like, you know, a moist situation like red twig dogwoods, that you go ahead and plant in a low spot in your ground or in your landscape, as opposed to, you know, just planting them and then having to give them extra moisture. And if it's not, uh, you know, a situation where the water can run off, then it could be problematic. But thanks, Art, very much. And now let's head over to Donald's. Hi, Donald. Good morning, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. I have several questions, but I try to make them real quick. In 2021, I planted a hydrangea bush. And after last winter, I thought it was dead because there were just little stalks about 6, 8, 10 inches long. But it came back and bloomed beautifully this year. I've cut the flowers off, but how far down should I trim those stalks? 
Uh, you don't have to prune them. If you want to prune them, you can. What for? Do you know? Is it a summer bloomer? Or is it a spring bloomer or what? Well, I'm not real sure about the answer for that, but I was real happy with the way it came back. So uh, I'll just kind of play it by ear. I'm just kind of new at all this planting business. <laughs> I also had a friend give me some cannas this summer, which I've planted. They didn't really sprout a whole lot, but now they look pretty sour out there. Should I have brought those in? No, not necessarily. I mean, you don't have to you know, make them into a house plant or something. It's just they probably didn't get to, you know, maybe the spot you put them wasn't the ideal situation. But the cannas just in general, the, I don't know how big the tuber or the root that he gave you was. But uh, consequently, they should be bigger than when you put them in the ground. And uh, you can go ahead and dig them up. Just leave them sit in your garage, you know, on a, someplace where they can, the soil that's around the, you know, the tuber slash root of the canna can dry off. And then in another couple of weeks, then just put them in a paper bag and bring them inside. Okay. Well, that's, I thank you for that suggestion. I wasn't sure how to cure treat or care for cannas, so I'm real new at that also. Uh, I also had some bushes removed from my property that was done in, without being authorized, and I want to know about planting some burning bushes. Is this still a good time of year to put in bushes? You you should be fine. It's just, uh, you know, the garden center just makes sure that they're nice and healthy, The you know, and the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground, they like to be in full sun to get the best color. So if it's in a part shade situation, you're really not going to get the, the color that you would anticipate from the burning bush. Well, they would be in the shade during the morning, but after about 12, 1 o'clock, the sun goes over the home and they would be in the sun the rest of the day. Well, that's, you know, it's they sh- that should really be adequate as far as letting the leaves turn you know, bright red in the fall. But... Uh, they really would like to be in sun all day long every day, but, the, you know, everybody doesn't have a situation like that. Okay, well, thank you for that. Uh, one more thing, then. I also planted some rose bushes this this year, and I don't re- know exactly what kind of rose bushes they are. Uh, they did have some blooms, but then the uh, deer also enjoyed the flowers and the blooms on them. So what should I do with those rose bushes at this time of year? Should I trim them back? Uh, you can prune them back. It depends upon the variety. And also wait for another couple of weeks and then put about six or eight inches of mulch, you know, at the base of them. Okay. Well, that looks a good idea, too. All right, Mike. That's all I have for today. Thank you for your show. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's head uh, over to Rick's yard. Hi, Rick. Yes. Hi. Nice to talk to you, Mike. Thanks. Um. I planted uh, 16 hardy mums about three weeks ago, and uh, my girlfriend works part-time in a nursery, and she told me that I should really soak those mums uh, every few days because then the roots will take hold, and then when it gets to be really cold, then they won't freeze and hurt the mums. What do you think? Well, I mean, that could help, but, uh, you know, to plant them – you know, I'm assuming they were in full flower or whatever, or at least fully budded. Yes. It's yes. going gonna, gonna to be uh, tough for them to be able to make it through the wintertime, regardless, even if you do the additional watering and everything else. 
uh, it's activity as far as the root systems go to get established enough to be able to you know withstand our crazy winter weather potential. They may work out fine, but uh, it's it's you're just enjoying for what they are right now. And if they come back next year, that's great. But uh, don't. And then next year, if you want them to you know look like they do now, it's going to be a series of three or four different times when you're going to have to pinch them back with the first pinch back uh, being sometime in uh, mid May. Oh, okay. Okay, so we'll just uh, we'll just take a chance that uh, things will work out. Right, exactly. Okay. Well, appreciate your advice. Sure, my pleasure. Good, yeah, I mean, uh, day, you know, making sure the ground is moist is great, but uh, that's not necessarily going to be a guarantee that the root systems is, are going to be able to acclimate, and hopefully they're in really well or really good garden soil where you have them planted. In the in the sunny area, and uh, just good luck with that. It's pretty hard clay, but uh, I've dug a pretty uh, big hole to be, to put them in. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. So the hole hopefully was wider than three times the diameter of the root ball. But uh, you know, even with as I continue to talk, make sure that they were planted a little bit higher than the surrounding ground. So. They don't end in a depression because too much moisture, you know, which you are going to give them moisture due to the additional watering, could be problematic. I understand. Okay. Okay. Very good. All right. Good luck. And now let's head over to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mike. Um, hey, I have a, a ginkgo tree that's been in the ground for about three years. It's maybe about seven foot tall and about a inch in diameter. And it seems like those trees kind of tend to, when they're young, grow kind of weird. And there wasn't like a definite leader. So I picked one and, you know, I've, I've got it kind of propped with a, like a wooden stick to, you know, keep it going straight. H- how long do I need to, to keep that like that? Uh, it's been most of the summer already. Do you think that's long enough, or is that something you need to do for like a year or two? Well, it's you've had it in the ground for three years, and you just you don't like the the direction it's growing. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah. It, well, it never really had a leader. It was almost like a a, a bush at the top. The you know, uh, and um, kind of growing out instead of up. And um, so I I picked one of the branches and cut some of the other ones off to make it, like, start to grow upward. It was almost like it was bending itself over. Wow. Because, um, I mean, yeah. a lot of times they can, you know, trees, not just ginkgo trees, but can, you know, have multiple, let's say, multiple trunks after, you know, growing off the main trunk. So, Maybe that was just going to be, you know, its width as a mature tree. Because as you see, you know, some trees are, a, you know, a single, you know, trunk going up with uh, the branches going out perpendicular to the trunk. But other ones can have multiple, you know, let's say multiple trunks. And it could be, a, you know, a couple feet off the ground. So it's just, uh, you know, I would say, you know, I would just leave things alone and just hope for the best. 
Okay. All right. That's all I needed. Thank you. All right. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Tacovis is a terrific boot brand, and they're bringing a fresh perspective to heritage boot making. So they've carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality you find in a great pair of cowboy boots. But they've innovated on comfort, style, and service. As someone who tries to pursue a minimalist lifestyle, I highly value quality over quantity. And I'm telling you, you can't find a higher quality boot than Tacovis. Their Western boots for men and women are handmade. Handmade from the most premium leathers with over 200 time-honored individual steps. Also, did I mention that they are Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade down in the boot-making capital of the world, Leon, Mexico. And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tacovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit tacovas.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and point your toes west. As we turn the corner into the new year, a lot of people are looking to get healthier. That includes Hero Bread, who have just launched their new recipe using heart-healthy olive oil. Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. All with no compromise on the taste, texture, and bready goodness you expect from your favorites. Now they're listening to their fans and updating their recipe with olive oil, an antioxidant-rich oil that's been shown to reduce cholesterol and minimize the risk of heart disease. Try it today with code HERO10 for 10% off your purchase at HERO.CO. That's code H-E-R-O-10 for 10% off at HERO.CO. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini. Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Your home of the Cardinals. Arnado swings and hits it deep to left field. That ball is out of here. The Billikens. Jumper. Yes! Billikens win! The Chiefs. Touchdown! Kansas City! We are America's sports voice. KMOX. If you have moles in your landscape or... You're all of a sudden seeing tunnels and you didn't think you have moles? Well, it's probably moles. And mole activity is going to be extreme this time of year. Why? Because their main diet is earthworms. And the earthworms are going to be – what happens is moles under the soil can hear earthworms crawling. That's where their tunnels go, to where the earthworms are. Yes, they will eat grubs, but the grubs are just an appetizer on their way to the real meal, which is an earthworm. But as the weather cools, the ground cools, then the earthworm activity is going to be less. So then the moles are going to be basically hibernating. So they got to fatten themselves up so they can hibernate. So just realize that all of a sudden you step out in your backyard and you go, oh, my gosh, where did all these tunnels come from? Well, you first of all, you have a nice yard or else the earthworms wouldn't be there. Second of all, 
the earthworms bring in the moles. So that's sort of the combination of reality. Let's head now over to Don's yard. Hi, Don. Mike, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I would like to know, um, clipping uh, junipers, uh, do you do any harm to them, not my junipers? I, I wish I had gotten the junipers that was called a blue rug. It don't uh, grow as tall as the regular junipers that kind of spread out. Right. Uh would I be hurting them if I clip them uh, down a little bit because they've grown kind of tall? Yeah, basically, I would not do it going into wintertime. I would wait until we're coming out of wintertime and do the pruning in, the, let's say, as winter's ending and spring is starting. Because you may have some damage as a result of, without knowing what our weather's going to be like and how cold it's going to get, there could be damage from that standpoint. But, yeah, you're right. Blue rugs grow flat on the ground, so I don't know which variety that you have, but some of them can get really pretty big. And I don't know how many you have or anything else, but you may get, you know, consider, and this may be a little bit drastic to say, but removing the ones you have because they're problematic and they're not exactly what you want and get the ones that you want rather than sort of exposing yourself to potentially having to fool with them as far as pruning to control the size for, you know, as long as you live in this particular home. I see. Now, my last question is, uh, on the plant that's called a... um, uh, What's the name that... Damn, lost my thought. <sighs> well, we'll, we'll be back thought. next week, so you can just give us a call. Yeah, I will. I'll write it down. I just lost my thought just that quick. Okay. <laughs> All right, then, Mike. I want to thank thank you for taking my call on that, and I'll keep that in mind. Sure. I'll wait until spring, spring comes. Yeah, wait until uh, we're coming out of wintertime before you do any pruning. All right, thanks. And now let's head over to Max's yard. Hi, Max. Hi, uh, thanks, Mike. I have a yard over on the east side, mostly clay, and the grass has been fescue and bluegrass. And I've had a, I called it a weed, but I've kind of identified it. It looks something like a St. Augustine, and it is just spreading away from the driveway and what was a patch maybe three feet by three feet is now spread throughout the yard and I'd like to get that stopped. What what do you recommend? There's nothing that's going to be selective enough to get rid of that without damaging your lawn. That's the unfortunate thing. So Yeah, it it's a long strings there and it looks very good for about three months during the summer, but it's slow to turn green and it went yellow and died off. Uh like six weeks ago. So uh, just kill it all off and start again? Pretty much, because there's nothing else that you can really do. I mean, you could just do a section at a time, and that way you'll have, you know, you're going to have to live with what you have, you know, in the areas that you you haven't killed off and reestablished. But it's, you know, it's going to be a long, you know, involved process. Also, since you said you had heavy clay soils, 
you may think about do so, having some core aeration done and some uh, compost spread, like a quarter to a half inch, to uh, to improve your soil, and that will you know help keep your the lawn that you want healthier. And it's not going to necessarily stop you know weed invasions, but it's going to help slow them, slow the process down. All right, I understand. So. Uh, try killing it off very early in the spring before it really starts to get green or wait till it gets green and then work at that? Well, if you try to kill it off while it's dormant, it's not going to work. So you're going to have to wait until it's actively growing. So, And once you start seeing some green, then you should be okay as far as killing right. it off. Got it. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And now let's go over to Doug's yard. Hi, Doug. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. We have an orchid that got knocked off of a table, and uh, it, it broke the, the leaves in a clump. They're all together. Um, and I was wondering, what are the chances of the, the part that's still in the pot um, reestablishing itself? And then uh, I put the other part in water, and I don't know if that's a good idea or not. I'm looking for some suggestions. Uh, the part that's in water is probably not going to do anything. Now, the stuff that's still in the pot, is there actually any foliage there, or is it just roots, or what is it? There's there's one little green spot on there. Hmm. This, <laughs> this doesn't sound good. <laughs> I would say... I- the the one that you put into water is not going to do anything. They can't really. You don't root orchids in water. You know, there are some that can handle a little bit more moisture, but for the most part, orchids don't grow in really wetness. They grow like uh, adhered to trees in the tropics naturally, or they grow when you buy them in the pot. There's going to be bark in there. There are some orchids that do grow in potting mixes. But for the most part, the majority of them grow in bark. And so that means not a whole lot of moisture. And that's where the, you know, water circumstance. And if there's nothing green, is there any roots coming out of it at all, the one that was in the, that's in the pot? Any yes, kind? there are. Okay, so you could try and, you know, put that just in a sunny location and see what's going to happen. But, uh, you know... Either one, of, neither one of them sound really good. Okay, well, uh, I, I was afraid of that, and whenever something else gets, you know, pulled loose or something on other plants, that's what we always did to let it try and establish roots. And uh, with my inexperience, that's uh, what I did. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with experimenting. I mean, you could, you don't necessarily have to just throw the stuff away. But just realize that it's not, you know, an ideal circumstance. Right. Okay. That's all I had. Okay. Well, great. Thanks. And let's go from Doug's yard over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Good morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Good. It's good to be on your show. Um, maybe you, this may not. Uh, by the way, that gentleman that just called a couple times ago and has the grass he's trying to get rid of. Right. Uh my recommendation that you didn't ask for <laughs> is there's a product called Tenacity, and the generic version of it is somewhat cheaper. But most of those grasses like that, uh, it will take care of them when, as you say, they're growing. 
Right. And I've used it on some of them, but it, it, it does work. But you have to be very careful with not putting too much down. The main reason I called was if I, I raise tomatoes every year, and this year things just didn't go very well. Uh, except for my early girls. I mean, I purchased tomato plants um, from places like Farm at Home and Walmart and all. There's, there's like four plants for $1.69. Would it be better if I tried to purchase those plants from a nursery or something? In other words, is the quality of the plants I'm paying $1.69 for four, are, are, the, are the quality of those plants equal to what I might buy Someplace else, paying maybe two ninety eight and three ninety eight a piece for, uh, you know, as far as because I spend a lot of time with those silly things and a lot of spend a lot of, you know, I put in a raised garden and you've gone all the trouble to get St. Louis composting soil in it and uh, am I am I starting out already at a bad spot or should I go out and try to find would those plants at those other places be a better quality and have possible chance of better success? Uh, have you grown them, you know, the dollar sixty nine ones? Have you done that historically, or is this the first year you've tried it? That's the way I've always done it. Okay, and you've had success in the past? Uh, pretty much, yes. Yes, but, yeah, but I had the, the first batch I got, I think they may have been hit by frost, you know, because they put, had them out there too soon. Oh, uh, and and but but the second ones I got they they look good and and when I look at them Mike you know the ones I buy will be maybe a couple inches tall and the others are expensive they're like you know I don't know they're like foot tall right. well within about a couple of weeks mine are as tall as theirs right uh, but I just talking about the quality of the plant and and our and I usually do like big boys better boys early girls celebrity are there some brands out or some uh, ones out there that would be produce better plant, better tomatoes. No, I like tomatoes that there's very few seeds in. But uh, I'm just wondering if I'm if I could, you know, get a better selection, a different selection, and you know, kind of get a little head start on it, or you know, better success. Right. Basically, when you're going to a, let's say a year-round nursery to buy any kind of plant material. They're caring for the plants a lot more after they've been delivered. Whereas some of the big box stores, they, they're they delivered and then they don't do too much to them. And uh, that's where the, you know, potentially the problem is. So I would say get some that you normally do for the $1.69. Get the same variety at a nursery that you're going to pay more for. Plant them to, you know, basically in the same garden space and see what you think. Okay. All right. But, uh, you know, normally I would say go with the the year-round nursery because they they take care of their plants more so than worried about looking at your receipt as you go out the gate. Okay. As far as variety goes, the ones I've been using all these years, they're just there's not any special varieties out there I should look for. Not necessarily. It's you know you're using ones that have a lot of history to them as far as success and taste, and so you've liked them in the past. So there's no reason to try a new one unless you just want to experiment with one just to kind of see if it's going to be a little bit more, whatever, robust, more juicy, more this, more that. Okay. 
All right. Well, thank you very much, Mike. Sure. My pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. we got a few phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Let's head over to Carol's yard. Hi, Carol. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Yeah, I've got two questions, and I came into your show late today, so I don't know if it's been answered. With the freeze we had a couple of nights ago, I had read in the KMOV um, app that all growing has stopped. Well, I've got new um, overseeded, lawn aerated, overseeded grass that was growing very slow due to that dry spell, and it's, it's, it's about an inch tall. Should I go back during this warm spell and water? Oh, definitely. You should wa- yeah, water, definitely. That's not just, be- you know, I mean, and just with, keep your fingers crossed that it's going to be successful as far as getting their root system deep enough to survive the weather. Right. That's right, because my sprinkler system gets shut down on Halloween, and I wanted to keep it going up until then as long as it's not freezing. But that uh, website, that Camel V note, that kind of threw me. So I appreciate that. And I have one more quick question. I have a pin oak stump that is going to be ground out anytime soon. Can I use that stump mulch to add around the base of trees? No, because it's okay. too raw and it's going to absorb, it's going to bind up nutrients, it's going to bind up problems. So it's not a good mulch. Okay. Those are great answers. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. And Dina, can you do it quick? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, I, I we regraded our front lawn um, a few weeks ago and planted seed <clears throat> and fertilizer. It's about a half acre uh, area of the lawn. Um, did all of the grass seed that we spread die off in the freeze? That's number one. And then number two, is it too late in the season? to completely reseed the whole area. Yeah, it's too late to reseed because of what happened to you with this past. But if you haven't, if the seed hasn't germinated that you put down, uh, then it's probably not going to germinate from this point forward. Okay, that's what I thought. (laughs) (laughs) The harsh realities. (laughs) So thanks, Dina. And Linda, can you do it quick? Oh, yes, Mike. Um, I had called you about lantana that I was growing in pots all summer on the porch, and they're looking great. And then you said, don't water till they look kind of wilty, but they're downstairs under the grow light, but 12 hours on, 12 hours off. But they seem to be wilting like pretty often. So what should I do? Just like let them go a little bit or give them just a dab of water when they look wilty? Basically, you don't have to wait till they wilt, but just... Watch the inside of the pot, and when that potting mix shrinks away from the inside of the pot, then go ahead and water them, but don't water them again until it starts shrinking away. I haven't seen it shrinking very much. They just look kind of wilty, but is that kind of normal because they're out of the bright light? Into right. Yeah, even, if, even if you have really good grow lights, it's going to be problematic for them. Yeah, and it's close to them, too. So, okay, I'll just hope they last. They didn't cost me anything. <laughs> they were donated for a public garden in a, in a park. Oh, so. that's right. I remember. 
Yeah. Like right. Crabapple Cove Nursery, a great one on Telegraph. I got to get a plug in for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Linda. And thanks to everybody for calling in. I greatly appreciate it because if you were not there, I would not be here. This is your show. And thanks for having me on your show. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle, from the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback. There's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.